0: Welcome into Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. It's a trio. It's a dynamic trio this evening. If you were listening to Snow the Goalie in the last hour, you'll know that Anthony Sanfilippo, Filippo. Whew! That
1: guy. He does hosp- not sound well. Hospitalized
0: with pneumonia last week. He uh he toughed that, that show out. Did a good job. We gotta we gotta let him get some rest. And uh, maybe we'll hear a little bit from Ryan Lennox on the other side of the glass in this show, which is a frightening proposition. But uh, not frightening are the guys across the table. Let's, let's get it started with, uh, with Mr., uh, Mr. Homeowner,
1: it would appear. Yes. Bought Bob
0: a- Wankel. Find him on Twitter at Bob Wankel CB. Bought a house
1: today. Feeling a little stressed right now. I'm not going to lie. Just uh, drove in, drove across the bridge.
2: How many pages did they make you sign before they handed the thing over to you? Is it still Quite like a few Is yeah. yeah, it 400, 500, 600? Several pages. It took a while. It's intimidating. Big day, though,
0: for Bob Winkle, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Congratulations.
0: And those, ladies and gentlemen, are the dulcet tones of the man, the myth, the legend. Nah. The Not the hero we deserved, but the hero we needed last Friday night at Odd Logic Brewing Company for the live show. That's Kevin Kincaid. Find him on Twitter, <laughs> at Kevin underscore Kincaid.
2: Yeah, imagine my surprise when uh, Russ uh, hit me up and said, hey, Anthony's got pneumonia, and we're doing the live show up here in Bristol. Uh, do you want to fill in? And I was, immediately I panicked because I was like, wow, do I know enough about hockey to be able to do a yeah, hockey how'd show? how'd you make out? I think I did okay. Did a good job. I just tried to keep it generic I tried to like look for observations. I told the story about how I covered the uh Hall of Fame induction of the nineteen ninety six World Cup of Hockey team that featured uh Chris Chelios, Tony Amani, Mike Richter, Brian Leach. It was uh, it was a ama- it was an amazing roster of dudes. I was uh that was the one like only hockey story I was able to contribute and I just kinda of fluffed my way through the the rest of it. But it was a great crowd
0: and uh odd logic was fun, man. Great place. It was packed. There was like how many people do you think were in it there? Was, like sixty or seventy? No, it was, it was over seventy because we had yeah. the upper level was like forty five or so, and, and I think I counted another thirty at least down below. So it was good. It was good, nice. Uh, good crowd. Good. Uh,
2: good show. Beer good league beers. team
0: came out. Was it the Renegades? Right?
2: Yeah, from uh, Oaks uh, yeah. up in uh, Montgomery or it County. That's Chester County. That's Chester Co. County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, no, it was fun, it was man. It was a good time. I hope I did okay. I hope I didn't disappoint anybody. Did a nice it was, job. Like, very last minute. So the best
0: thing was, um, you know, Kevin was the adult in the room. That evening, Kevin shows up. I'm like, like trying G- to I'm trying to set up the PA system and everything, get get everything going. And Kevin walks in. He's like, "All right, what do you need?" That's a really bad kinker. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> is that what I sound like? As I say, I just walk in and say, "What
1: What do you need?" Were the what masses disappointed that that Anthony wasn't there?
0: There were some people who were like. Anthony looks really different in person than he does on the Press Row show. Well, Russ, <laughs> Ru- as
2: sensitive as Russ is, he held up the picture of Anthony wearing like a, a hospital mask.
0: If he didn't want, if he didn't want people to see it, he wouldn't have sent it to me. I, well, I, but he sent it to me. <laughs> so that makes it fair game. If, I, if I'm in the hospital yeah. and I send one of you guys a picture of me, and we have a video. I'm immediately show. going to
1: blast it all over my social media platform. All right, because it's you, not right?
2: a, it's not a HIPAA violation if he himself provides he, the yeah, picture. Yeah, he provided right? it. So, so we're now all when in the clear I hand. when
0: I also provided his hospital room number, his patient ID, and his <laughs> insurance information. Yeah. Now that was a HIPAA violation. Yeah, but the rest of it was fine. I bet. No, it was fun
2: though. I I uh, I enjoyed doing it. Uh, you know, I I tried it tried to be the jack of all trades, and I hope uh, hope I did all right. It but, came uh, through well. it, yeah. it did. There no, were, were no not,
0: complaints. Flyers fans are really good about um being supportive of somebody who's trying versus okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. versus there being that um we know that you actively haven't watched things and you hate our sport but we yes. g- but you're gonna try to fake it sometimes There's a it's difference. like that does happen i'm not saying it like, happens anywhere in the city but it does happen from time to time well with other people yes, they get
2: are. they get like uh you know it's like why don't you ever talk about this and then you try to talk about it and then people are like oh well, you don't know what you're talking about but i people were appreciative i think like people uh threw me a little bit of a bone there because i was just trying to uh i think i didn't really have great terminology trying to think of like oh that's the half wall this is uh, <laughs> you, uh you know when, you put, did, when they, sure they put you put did i'm sure you did the goalkeeper on he's a power like, he's like where's
0: the uh where's the grass <laughs> no kevin that's that's yeah, soccer right.
2: but more importantly uh big red how about it, man? He gets a Super Bowl ring. Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl ring. Uh, so now everybody can die happy, right?
1: Big red.
0: How
2: about them, Chiefs?
1: I did not find myself Actively getting excited about the Chiefs winning last night, other oh, than the fact that I bet on them and I told people to bet on them, that was that was nice. Um, so
2: you were good there. So the commenters will not be coming after you on
1: crossing. At broad least this not week. this week. But you know what? It was like I wanted him to win. I was rooting for him, I guess. But I, like I said, it wasn't like an ex- I wasn't excitable over it. It just. You know last night that game it, it was weird for the the comeback that it was in the fourth quarter down double digits and and they come storming back and San Francisco has a 95% chance to win the game and and all of that stuff it, I didn't find the game to be epic you know like it, it's like it lacked no it, was it lacked a defining play I think like there was no true moment where you said oh wow you know like well, there are I mean, obviously key plays in the game, but I don't think that this is a game 10 years from now. Anybody outside of San Francisco or Kansas City is going to say, you know, this was that. Yeah, like this where, was where the were play. you?
0: Maybe, it, maybe it's just a, a, a macro level. In, in a decade, do we look back, if Pat Mahomes manages to win, say, two, three. Maybe today is just kind of like, or or Sunday was the where were we at the start of the dynasty? Yeah, I feel. But as 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 it stands as a one year thing, I think you're totally right. I feel what you're saying, Bob.
2: But like, I think like the fourth down stop where they had Jimmy G and there was you know a little bit of complaints that maybe there was a helmet to helmet hit there. I think the play that they reviewed that you could have maybe made an argument that he stepped out of bounds before he got the. The ball across the plate. My could feeling was could that was not contra- a touchdown. That but could have been like the big controversial call that was missing. I'm not saying like you need yeah. that, but like a ta- another talking point, like something to, to go over today. Um It was a close game. It was a good game. But yeah,
0: I don't, I don't yeah, know. There was like nothing I, wrong with the
1: game. That's what was kind of weird about it. It was like it was a fine game. Something was there kind was, of. There well, was a comeback. Kevin it was will, high stakes. I
0: understand this. The weekend started with VAR issues in the EPL. Yeah. A lot of bad reviews, a lot of questionable calls. And then on Sunday, like I felt like the first half kind of goes sideways because Kyle Shanahan's an absolute coward with like two ish minutes left in that half. And then they're kind of forced to make a big play. And they get the Kittle reception, or at least what looked like it was 42 yards.
2: Well, and the, with the push-off, you mean, yeah. the one that was called back? Yeah. Did
0: you feel like that, one, is that offensive pass interference, two, do you make that call in that moment? Well, if, if he's official? got,
2: I mean, it didn't look like there was a lot of contact, but I think anytime you have the arm extended like that, you're going to get it. I and mean, it kind of happened twice in that play. It wasn't sort of— I think he
1: came back to it the second time, and that was what— Yeah,
2: the first one, I don't think they would have— called but you know then he got a little bit of separation then there was another and then the arm came out again and maybe that's what he saw maybe that's why they called it but I mean you could say that was a talking could have been a talking point this morning It could have been like a big first take talking point the stepping out of bounds could have been a big first take kind of kind of talking point you know the fact that uh you know they had the big fourth down stop at the end there and there was a couple turnovers uh Mahomes playing a horrible game and then playing a great game I mean I think there's Stuff to talk about. I honestly think what it is is that Joe Buck was like sleepwalking through the whole game.
1: Like, did you? Like, I've always why, been why a Joe he, Buck defender, but I didn't think he was very good last night. I like was, not, I was surprised. Was yeah. he
2: on like Nyquil or something? Was he just only half there? That's like been a criticism the, the, of Joe
1: Buck in the past, <laughs> though. It's
2: I a mean, Super Bowl, like the play that like solidified the game. He's like, and they bring down Jimmy G on fourth down. Very I'm casual, like, I'm like, very casual. You got to like you got to give me something more than that. Like I felt like his lack of energy was like osmotically coming through the TV and sapping me of energy at the same time. Like I don't I don't I think they play a big role in in, in making you feel a certain way about the game. And then you go listen to like the radio calls. Yeah you listen to so you, you go back the next day and you hear like Kevin Harlan or um uh, like Tim Brando or somebody I think was also calling it was like you listen to them put 10 times the amount of enthusiasm. and you're like, Oh, okay. You know, it's like, it's, it's about selling it as much as like what's happening on the field, especially for the three of us who like uh, we watch sports and we do this for a living where I don't think we wa- we're watching it from like a fan perspective and we don't have a natural rooting interest or whatever. Sometimes you can artificially sell it when the announcer looks like he actually gives a crap, you know?
0: So I want to go down that road really quick because usually on this show, we like to also talk about not just the sports, but the media surrounding them, right? That, that was always the thing in the beginning at least. Um, there was the the rumor going on, I think a weekend of the new year, that ESPN was going to pursue Tony Romo, to take over the color commentator spot on Monday Night Football, and that they might give him a deal of like ten million dollars a year. Would make him the highest
2: paid uh, broadcaster out there, or but, sports. Yep,
0: uh, looking at it right here, between ten and fourteen million dollars <sighs> annually. Okay, and then there was the um, over the weekend, it came out that Drew Brees' agent had begun to do kind of the preliminary feeling out with some of the networks about what a role for him would look like uh-huh. and i feel like we're kind of getting to this this point now i don't know what drew Brees would look like as an analyst admittedly but when you know what a good or- orator orator peyton manning yeah. can be mm-hmm. is it orator i think it's orator yeah I say yeah o-r-a-t-o-r yeah,
2: okay. O-R-A-T-O-R. yeah, O-R. yeah,
0: yeah. Good. when you think about what peyton manning is and like what he could bring to the table that's that's a solid you know color commentator we know what tony romo is and he's excellent maybe drew Brees would be really good like we oddly enough might be walking into the next generation of excellent secondary guys on commentary, but it feels like that play-by-play guy is so important, even if it's just to talk less than they used to and to play off of their their um you know their partner more. The the Joe Buck thing was weird because like Aikman, I feel like some of his his shine has kind of faded away, especially with the the rise of Romo. And it felt like sure has uh, Joe and and it, yeah right and so it's just weird that like Fox I, I used to think had the best commentary team or at least for a while like in these big games I always felt like Joe Buck rose to the moment Aikman played really well off of him and even though I would say like I always enjoyed Al Michaels or Mike Tirico those two together collectively seemed to be the most consistent team it was weird Sunday felt different the energy wasn't there
1: baseball fans have long been critical of joe buck for the, the same reasons kind of like stairs deep into the night like that was the call i like that call by the way but the people were very critical of big the del- moments the delivery or how it like yeah how just it kind of like he's a big uh he's real big on letting the moment speak for itself and it kind of being a little bit less over the top than other announcers but i think when We've recently talked about Kevin Harlan specifically, and I listen to his calls, and and it seems like every game he does, people are, you know, on social media, they'll say, like, check out this call. I mean, I feel like he consistently kills it.
2: He's got this ability to make things that otherwise wouldn't seem that big. He makes everything feel big. You know what I mean? I wonder on
1: a weekly basis if that would—if he were in your living room every week, would that start to grate on you a little bit, or is it— Well, it's—
2: I think I think with a, with a guy like Joe Buck, he's called, and this is probably the same for like Al Michaels and all of them. But I think they've called so many games in their life, and they've called so many big games that it's hard for them to treat it as anything such. I mean, you go to work for the same place for ten years, you know, at some point you're just going through the motions. But somebody's got to pull them inside and say, "Yo, you're calling the Super Bowl. Like you are not going to work nine to five at uh, Initech with." lumberg as your boss you know what i mean like you are you work a much different job than like the actual like regular nine nine yeah. to five kind of person you know so but, but harlan just makes he makes things that aren't that big feel feel big and that's a that's a he, gift that not everybody he does seen.
0: it in a way that i guess like a comparison so joe tessitore right i feel like he does him. yeah well i feel like joe tessitore does this 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 job where like Stakes. he's taking moments that don't matter and tries to turn them into big moments yeah. he like tries to force the excitement whereas the way that harlan is able to kind of it, it's like he's painting this canvas right and he's he's doing all of the right things that kind of lead you he's almost like the the master conductor in front of the orchestra he's building to that crescendo and now that, that moment hits he he hits it every time whereas it feels, org- whereas, it feels like testator you know? is like all right here we are guys like we're in the first few measures and fortissimo.
1: I feel like uh, right? Tom McGinnis is sense. similar to Kevin Harlan that way. Yeah, Tom you know? McGinnis
2: is like that too. Like you, you, there's a ve- it's oh funny. baby. It's funny because there's a very fine line between making something sound great and sounding enthusiastic and making things sound big. And if you like fall just barely on the other side of that line, you sound like a total cornball. You know, yeah. like there's really no two ways about it. Like you're either trying too hard or you have like the sweet spot. But you go, to, you go too far in one direction and you don't have it you know kind
1: of uh, walking this back into a more macro perspective uh if if you want for a second i think it's a, a very interesting if you evaluate nfl broadcasting on a wider scale how bad it is i mean you talk about the the viewership the amount of money that these networks pay and every week the conversation is so cliche it's it's so trite and you said it like maybe we need to usher in this this new era and I think it we've kind of I just think it's I don't know if it's stale or what it is but it's time to I think get some new voices in here. Well, it's supposed I mean, to be we just hear the same stuff well, every week. And it's
2: supposed to be fun. Like you like you want guys who like want to be there and like think their job is fun and think you're watching sports and you're having fun and like you got to like picture what pe- how people are watching it at home. Yes, it's important for a color commentator to sit there and say okay the Niners are playing cover 3 right now and you know Jim Schwartz is playing inverted cover too, like part of it is you have to explain the game to us and tell us what's going on. but like take a guy like Ray Ray Hudson right in soccer Russ where he just like, it's magic! like he like oh, he just studio yeah he like he lives for it and he just makes it sound like it's huge and you have fun, and you're sitting there laughing because like at the at the same time like all, more often than not, who are you talking to? who are you commentating for? You're not commentating to a bunch of dudes like us sitting around typing on a laptop, you're sitting around typing to like. You know, a bunch of people are sitting there at a at a party, like twelve people at a Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl party. You know, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be laid back. It's supposed to be informative, but you have fun. And, but instead, and you're what you get is time, you, know? you get.
1: You know, I was in the locker room this week, and I talked to such and such, and he'll tell you to a man that this is a player's game. <laughs> to, yep. to a man, can we blast that phrase like any, into any the given, sun?
2: Any given Sunday, and, you know, they said that In we just got to take it. In the National Football League. One, one play at a time and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, come on, man, you're not telling me that I, anything that I don't already know. At least, like, be informative, but just, like, show if you're, if, like, if you're excited about the game, then I'm excited That's about the That's why I like game, college right? game day.
1: You know, at least the football yeah. college yeah, yeah, game day. Like, yeah, yeah. those guys have been doing that job for a long time, but they're – Inter- interesting. They're entertaining. They bring something different to the table on a weekly basis. Because they go,
2: they go from place to place where you see like the pat. They they pull the pageantry of fandom, you know, into it with them. I mean, they're on set and there's like five thousand people behind them who are like screaming and, and having a great time. I I put that on my bucket list to go to college game day. So I went to one in Morgantown. I love how they always go to a different place. Didn't go when it
1: was in Independence Mall or whatever. No, Ted, I was still, I was
2: probably where I was still working at Channel Three back yeah. then, so I was working every Saturday. But then, like this year, for example, they went to like Brookings, South Dakota, when it was like ten degrees to do South Dakota State. But fans are like, "Oh wow, this is like the pinnacle of fandom. Like they came here, like it's hyper local, you know? Yeah. Whereas like Joe Buck, it felt like the last night, like I like it was just another day it's at the office stuffy. for him, you know? It's like it's it's not. Another day
0: at the office, you know what I mean. Um, so that's that's now multiple years in a row that we've had the Super Bowl commentary team let us down.
2: Well, I mean Al, Mi- yeah, because think of like the, Al, the Al Michaels. Mike, was there anything? What what? If I ask you about the Eagles Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty Two, like what the pit? What call stands out to you the most in that game?
1: Well, uh, probably Chris Collinsworth. Making a grunting noise when, when <laughs> he was strip sacked. Like, yeah. oh. <laughs> well, that's true. He did he, That was he, like I think the highlight. Well, right. He like sold,
2: sold it a little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But there was I mean, yeah, there wasn't anything that like there wasn't a Matt stares into the night. There wasn't yeah. uh, There's nothing.
0: The, yeah. the, you know what stands out is if, the if, if, Yankees if we, win. If we had to say what's the number one thing from that telecast, I think it was the confusion at the end of the Super Bowl. Right when when Brady chucks the ball up towards Gronk. Yeah. And, and, and uh, waiting, waiting, and <laughs> nope. Yeah. It hit the ground. And then still no call. The Eagles have won the Super Bowl. It was just like this weird silence and like, oh,
2: all right then. I know. Like if you're a broadcaster, if you're some kid who's at your college, if you're like at, what's a small college? Like uh, if you're at Kennesaw State University and you're doing like, uh, volleyball, and you dream of being there on the big stage and having like a, the opportunity to call that kind of play. Like, that's it, man. That's where like broadcasting legends are made when you can call the final play in a Super Bowl or 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 sell it or make me feel excited. I don't know. I just kind of came away from
1: it. Where do you think like all time ham- that game ranks? Is that like a top fifteen, twenty Super Bowl?
0: Is that like it's one of the fastest Super Bowls I remember yeah, watching? Jeez. It felt quick. It's weird. Like ten thirty, everything's done. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's hard to say in in immediate recency and, like, if the Eagles aren't playing in it, but um, it'll definitely be... be that'll probably be a top 20.
1: How'd you feel about the halftime show?
2: Well, I have a lot of thoughts about that.
1: Fue
0: absolutamente increíble. Y Shakira... No, okay. So she, <laughs> listen, here's the thing. Are you, you doing gotta, your, like, Trump yeah. and... Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fue muy bien porque um, muchas personas... Now, the uh, I I thought Shakira stole the show for a lot of reasons. Uh huh. Um, a lot of people. How do I go about this? A lot of people seemed obsessed with like, "Wow, J Lo, she's fifty, she looks great." All right, fine. Shakira's over forty, but also. like Shakira's forty-three. 40, Shakira's yeah. yeah, and and like, she's one, not that I look. One, one person looks like they've. <laughs> Yeah, I just my wife told me that yeah. one person looks like they've gone under the knife more than the other. And I thought that like Shakira did a better overall job of being an engaging presence on the uh, oh. on the halftime stage.
2: You're going to go with Shakira over. Oh,
0: absolutely. And I don't think it was close. Wow.
2: Mm. I wrote a story for the site today about the uh, funny uh, tongue sound that Shakira did, yes. Um which was kind of like a you know back in the day did, when, you, when would,
1: you saw that on TV. Did you go? That's a meme. Did yeah, yeah. Just, and it was just, and like no. it, immediately it yes. was out like
2: three seconds later. <laughs> I was like, what? I I just like pause. I'm like, I don't know what that is. It's like when you were like playing uh Cowboys and Indians back in the day. I don't think Tread people lately. play that play that nowadays. I think it's probably offensive in twenty twenty. But you know, you'd like make like a like the yeah. like a war cry sound. You'd go like whoo, right? Well, that's was uh, like I'm sitting there looking at that and people are like doing all these memes and stuff, and then like it comes out that it's like, Oh, it's a traditional Arabic uh, celebratory, um, you know what? Whatever, like uh, f- sound, sound, yes, yeah. cry. You know, so, well, I, like, thought it, I like... cover
1: a... your daughter's eyes and <laughs> no, it was not suggestive. I thought, you... I thought of the rocks. It was... People <laughs> were very <laughs> upset last night. Like my kids watched that, and I don't know how to explain it to yo.
0: Them. Like, <laughs> so, I, I just, I, I saw the graphic today, and it was like, if you had a problem with with what Shakira was wearing. Or what J Lo was wearing. Yeah, yeah, Remember, yeah. J Lo's like in a full bodysuit, right? If you have a problem with that, but you're not upset with what the cheerleaders of NFL teams wear on any given Sunday,
2: or uh, people were saying, it's, it's "Well, like uh, double uh, you know, Adam Levine was walking around without his shirt last year, you know, so it's okay for him to be, uh, you know, naked from the from the uh, mid midsection up, but you know, we're going to get all bent out of shape about what Shakira and J Lo are doing, and people talking and about wo- the, like, the Well wo- the-
0: culture says that. We we don't want we don't want people to feel like they're being objectified for their bodies. We want them to feel like they're proud and body body positivity. Yes, and in the case of both Shakira and JLo, very clearly knowing that they're going to be on this international stage, that is how they wanted to project themselves. Well, and like they so obviously why go. why should they have that held know. against them if know. that's what they. To i mean do. they
2: looked good they killed it you know the performance ob- obviously had like a very heavy like uh latino flair to it because they were in miami so it was uh appropriate for the location <laughs> it was a little bit different than
1: uh when Andy Reid was in the Super Bowl last time yeah like well, Paul yeah. McCartney I believe
2: yeah. well, well after they had the the yeah. uh, wardrobe malfunction that they, they decided to course correct and so they just brought in like, well we the, have the, the come ge- full the circle geezer, we are the back. geezer train of yeah. like like Bruce Springsteen yeah. the and who. Tom, Tom yeah. Petty. yeah you had Bruce Springsteen power sliding across the <laughs> stage and then like uh, yeah. running into a cameraman with his crotch but uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, very. Uh, yeah, I mean, like how how could you watch that and like? Yeah, I watched that and I thought like, wow, okay, she's like fifty, she's forty three. They both look great. They killed it. I, uh, I have to say, isn't that an inspirational message for like like everybody who aspires to? Uh, there
0: was the meme going around of like, what was it Golden Golden Girls? right of like this is what 50 looked like in the 80s or whatever and this is what 50 looks like in 2020 it's it's j-lo like doing the the pole dance that started per section it's
2: like and like the people gotta understand too like the pole also you know because j-lo was just in the movie hustlers where she played a stripper so it was like kind of tied into like she had uh you know just been she learned how to do all the stuff uh the the exercises and what there was a clear tie-in to uh, pop culture recency and what she had just been doing but all these people were like oh it's oh this is uh smut you know it's too racy for our
0: children well let me give you a little more context here Jlo despite being Puerto Rican right Shakira is Colombian and in Colombia pole dancing as a as like a normal, Cardio activity has grown in immense popularity. Yeah, so that, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. It's the knowledge well. on the show. You don't, you film, don't yeah. have to turn it into Vast. a perverted this is thing. A very, that's, that's always been part of like the well, American have, culture, right? Like, yeah, we have three. This, You, by the way, number one thing, my favorite part, my buddy Sam. Years ago, we're in college. Bruce Springsteen's doing the uh, the halftime show, terrible. and we're like, all right, what what song is he going to do? Right? Sam goes
2: a bunch of terrible goes.
0: He's going to do Born in the USA. He's got to do it, right? So every song Bruce Springsteen comes up, my buddy Sam's gone. All right, Born in the USA. Obviously, it never happens because Bruce Springsteen didn't want to offend anybody. So, of course, fast forward all these years later, JLo's los <laughs> the one doing Born in the USA. She brings out the flag, right? And I see on Facebook a lot of people that – uh Went went to the same high school or grew up in the same general area, putting, man, why does J-Lo like Texas so much? And I'm like, that is definitely the Puerto Rican flag. All right? If you want to confuse two flags, confuse Texas and Chile, yeah, not yeah, Puerto yeah. Rican. Well, didn't she, shout, didn't she shout out the Bronx, too, I think night? so, yeah. Uh, yeah well, because okay.
1: the one side, I think,
0: was the U.S. flag, right? And then the other side was the Puerto Rican flag. And she flag. flipped it over. I was absolutely
1: stunned go. she came out with uh, Jenny from the block. That was like a long shot going in. Yeah, what deep, were
0: the odds on the plus on, uh, thirteen
1: hundred? I believe that was what
2: was the favorite for her to start. Uh, with?
1: Let's get loud.
2: Uh, okay, yeah, I could see why that, that was good. Would be, yeah. yeah, that yeah. was the favorite. Well, I just would like to say that the three of us, I think, have a very appropriate, uh, a very wide and vast cultural understanding mm-hmm. as three uh, white men—one uh, <laughs> from Schuylkill County, one from Berks County, and one from South Jersey. Yeah, I Camden think that we County. have a very good understanding of. Uh, oh yeah you know cultural uh what what is appropriate and well i'll say this our uh, under, our, our, just our our general understanding I of love
1: football and i thought it was a fine game but 10 15 years from now i'll probably say oh yeah that was the game that andy reed won and uh i'll talk about the halftime show i really think that the halftime show superseded the game for me
2: well didn't you think that andy like yeah, I mean, it was looking really hairy there for a little bit. I was like, oh, God, he's, he's you know.
1: Down two scores in the fourth quarter? Well, they
2: had eight. <laughs> what did they have? 8.33 Needing on the pace. clock. Uh, yeah. Um, we had, they were down 20-10, 8.33 on the clock. They went and scored in 2.40. San Francisco got the ball back with 6.06 on the clock. They get three and a Casey gets a three and out. Um, then they start their game-winning drive with 5.05 remaining. You know, it was like the, the weirdest feeling in the world. I almost felt like he was going to score too soon. I'm like, is this like the total opposite of bad Andy
1: yeah. clock
2: management where it's like it's so grotesque and twisted that now we're on the other side of the spectrum and he's going to leave too much time on the clock and then San Fran's going to come come down and score here. But I no, I mean, it, it, it that was did my biggest... Did you think biggest... it was going to
0: happen at the end? Like, did you think Garoppolo was going to pull the Brady? We were going to have that conversation about like the macro. We were going to like listen to Bill Simmons lament the fact that his team traded away the heir apparent to Tom Brady. And we were going to hear about the clutch gene and about how that's... That's effectively a win for I, the I Patriots don't think, franchise, I think, blah blah blah. I think
2: everybody coming into the game was like, look, if you, if it comes down to something where Jimmy G's gotta like lead them down the field at the end of the game, you probably take your chances with that. If you're Kansas City, you're probably in a good position. But I mean they had they had some chunky big gains, you know, earlier in the game that made me feel I'm like, okay, well I'm I am do I'm not like totally I was just sold disappointed in Kansas Garoppolo. City.
1: I thought that he was kind of getting a bad deal. I think that the play calling was what it was, the the first two postseason games for the 49ers, and that's all fine and well thought he made a lot of big throws this season and uh, i think that people have sort of overreacted to his stats but he disappointed me last night i didn't think he played a very good game and um you know if i were the 49ers the thing is everyone talks about their youth and and that they're on a are a team on the way up and they very well may be uh, i think that Kyle Shanahan despite his fourth quarter obstacles in recent super bowls is a fantastic coach but you just don't know how many cracks you're going to get at it and mm-hmm. you know we can go back to very recent history with the eagles you know they win the super bowl and People came into the 2018 season saying, oh, this team's even better. Things don't work out. You know, you deal with injuries, um, you know, a couple fluky losses here and there. All of a sudden, you drop from being a potential 2-3 seed to a 5-6 seed. You're a wild card, and it's hard to get yourself back into that spot. And I thought Garoppolo kind of blew it last night, whether or not that's fair, but...
2: I think like when you look at the things that Andy was criticized the most for in Philadelphia, number one's like what clock management, right? I mean, number two in game stuff was like, well, he threw the ball too much, you know? And like, I, you know, I, th- I think like he won his ring last night, kind of, at least for one, one night only, like defeating those criticisms and stereotypes of him, you know, the clock management at the end there was great. And he had three three timeouts until the very end of the game and decided to burn one so they could run all, roll out and throw the ball straight up in the air. But he uh, gave Damian Williams the ball seventeen times. You know they came they came from behind not once not twice but three times in the postseason. So they showed some resilience. Uh, people always say resiliency, but I think resiliency is the same as resilience. So I'm not sure why people say that. Uh, it's kind of like ascendancy. Like you can just say the ascendance, you
1: know. Yeah. So stop doing that. But up there. they,
2: but they have like you know, they, they, it ends up going down on paper as a forty-two to twenty-nine uh, pass to run split. Like obviously that's skewed because Mahomes pulled some stuff down and ran. Um, you know, they had the, like the one option for example was a, was a running play. They had a, uh, you know they they run some RPO, so it's like, well, it's is it a, you know does that go down as a called pass or a called run or whatever? But I mean, I mean, really, it was like uh, pretty much sixty. 40, 62 to, you know, 38, something like that. It it wasn't like a, you know, a terrible. I I think the point being is like the things that we killed Andy for year after year after year in Philadelphia. Like you you didn't really see them come up last night. And of course it helps with Mahomes as your quarterback.
1: So I like to speculate and look ahead. So like, let's look ahead at next year. And if we, uh, let's use our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook quickly here. The odds to win Super Bowl 55. The Chiefs are the favorite at DraftKings, plus 600. Ravens are just behind, plus 800. 49ers, top team in the NFC, plus 1,000. Saints, plus uh, 1,200. Patriots, 14. Eagles, plus 1,700. Uh, what do you make of this? Like The way that you go into this offseason, I think that we all understand that the schedules, even when they come out in the spring... Look vastly different by the time the season rolls around. We haven't had free agency yet. We haven't had the draft yet. But when you look at this, do you expect that the I guess we'll ask it two different ways. We're Philly show. So we'll talk about the Eagles in a minute. But do you expect that the the Chiefs are entering a period of greatness here where they're going to rip off multiple Super Bowls in the next handful of years?
2: I mean, I'm interested to see what they do with Mahomes and the contract and how much money he ends up getting and how that eats into the cap and what they can do around him. Um, But there's no reason to think that an Andy coach team can't be near the top year after year after year, you know? Um, It feels
1: like to me that we're headed for a Ravens-Chiefs-AFC championship game. Like, I mean, those those odds would suggest that, but I I think that these two teams over the next three to four years are – Well, and who else? Who else is
2: like, I mean, the Patriots are obviously on the decline, right? Um, Maybe they have another year or two left in them if Brady comes back. I mean, well, that's the other
0: that's the other big part of this. And this is why, like, I think it's so hard to even get into maybe not even the long term ramifications, but even just to next year. Maybe the Brady thing is just posturing, right? Like, maybe he he really only has the intentions of going back to New England, but like, All right. Let's let's say that the reports about the Raiders are right. And for whatever reason, Tom Brady wants to go and play in Vegas. All of a sudden, that's a much tougher division to win. Now, if I'm Tom Brady, why in God's why on God's green earth would I want to go get into that kind of battle for my division when I've practically had it handed to me almost every year of my NFL career? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But two of the teams that had been rumored were the Raiders and the Chargers. Now the Chargers uh, have a lot of work to do. I think the Raiders probably have a decent bit. Anthony Lynn
1: like, just got extended, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So then it, it like
1: see, I think right, the Raiders. Like, say or say I he think goes the Chargers
0: AFC Then it then it becomes. A much more yeah, difficult proposition, decision. right?
1: Well,
2: who I mean, so you know, who's who's can, who besides the Ravens? I mean, who's the Chiefs' biggest competition as of right now? Is it the, the Steelers, Ten, the Tennessee Titans?
1: Yeah, the Titans are in the mix, and then the uh the, the Steelers.
2: It's not the Houston Texans, right? Yeah, it's not. Yeah. I mean, uh, nothing it else. Depends really the, like, like it depends if jumping out. I is, think it?
1: that the <laughs> NFC is much more closely bunched together right now as things sit. I think you can make an argument that yeah. the Vikings are still there, the Rams, the Packers, the Eagles, the Cowboys and obviously the 49ers, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Saints as well. In theory the yeah. sa-
0: the the Chiefs should be entering a 3-year window where they're knocking at the door for the next 3. And depending on the way that the Mahomes deal is structured, like do they do they let it ride another season so that they can maximize the cap space they have available or do they lock him into a long-term deal now eat away at that? Like that that's part of the problem. That's why so many people talk about your best window to to contend in the game where young quarterbacks are making such an impact on the rookie deal is you you want to be able to stack your roster the best that you can where you're not paying your quarterback a ton if you're you're locking up 30 plus million dollars in that position like is Mahomes worth it absolutely he's probably worth 40 million a year with the way that he's played but that's not good for your team so
1: the Eagles specifically the way that this thing sits right now the season ends Do you guys look at the Eagles and say the expectation should be going into 2020 that they get back to the Super Bowl, that they make a legitimate push to be a Super Bowl team? Or do you think that this is kind of a team now that's going to have to take a step back, remain competitive, but they may not be one of those upper echelon, truly elite type of teams? I mean, how you know, because like last year it was okay, we're going to get Carson Wentz back. He's going to be healthy they had to deal with injury issues in 18. This is the year that they finally come back and do it. He's fully healthy. And that they were never quite that team. It was obvious from the start. So now here we are another year removed from this thing. Uh, is what's the storyline going in here that this is a team that should get back?
2: Um I mean, I think so. I I think it's like honestly, I think they had like a two-year Super Bowl hangover. Like I feel like you're just kind of running running back the the storyline from last year is that a cop out i mean like you're trying to get back to where you were i mean you're tr- like obviously like they were cruising and they didn't think it was you know they weren't taking the dynasty thing or winning another one as seriously as i think all the fans did but um i don't know man i need to see who they Th- drafted the thing in, that that i look at to see i need to see what happens with the co- i mean they're supposed to you know announce the f- the four coaching uh hires at the end of this week i guess you know they're pre- they Marquand Manuel, we think is going to be the defensive backs coach. Matt Burke, the defensive line. Jeremiah Washburn, assistant defensive line. Offensive coordinator, I have no clue. Um, wide receivers, I don't, I don't know. But
1: the thing I, that hard, intrigues me with the NFC is that yeah. a lot of the main contenders, I think, are in spots where they could conceivably take a step backward. Like I think that the Saints may have missed their opportunity. I yeah, think that they had yeah. two. Really, going back to even seventeen, the last three seasons, I think that they had prime position. You know, we talked about the Forty ers they missed an opportunity last night. But I think the Saints, in each of the last three seasons, missed key opportunities to win the Super Bowl. And you know, at some point, that door closes.
2: Well, I, th- I think you know if you if you like block off the NFL into like tiers, I think there's there's a it's super clumpy in that below elite tier. I mean, at the top, you got the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Niners. I don't know. Maybe you could put the Patriots in there. I don't think but that's when you look at the else. other teams so in, in like, the so NFC. So it's, so it's like every like everything else below them is so like clustered.
1: I think the Vikings take a step back. I think Green Bay takes Green Bay a step, takes a step back. back. Aaron
2: Rodgers ain't getting any. I think the
1: Rams that are that to done. That's is a bigger missed window. Green Bay. Green Bay. Green Bay. I don't think that Green Bay was ever that good this year. No, Aaron Rodgers, really. Tom year, Brady, oh, you just Drew, mean, Drew Brees, yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, how did they, they like, win one Super Bowl in the last 10 yeah, years? Aaron especially with, yeah. with
0: that debate always going on about, like, is Aaron Rodgers really the best quarterback in the NFL? At some point, you have to be able to put that together. Like, I, I guess a team that I'm guessing you were about to mention was Seattle. Yeah. Because Seattle's this weird group where – I don't think they're ever going to have the best team in the conference again. They might end up just being a three seed that somehow pulls an upset and gets home field in the NFC Championship game. But Seattle to me is a team that, by virtue of Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson being so elite and being able to just make plays happen in a way that so few quarterbacks in this league can. They always have to be looked at as a team that is that that perennial get into the dance and see how the chips yeah. fall. And I think they they oddly enough, while they might not have the highest general ceiling when it gets to the postseason they I think they oddly enough kind of have like the highest floor of most teams. We
2: have uh, about 25 minutes left. I got a bunch of random kind of miscellaneous topics written down. you want to rip through these one by one and see where it takes us?
0: Yes, yeah, so these random miscellaneous uh, points are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Bob, of course, did a great breakdown of everything to do with the uh, with the Super Bowl, all the props. His face was flooding my newsfeed. Ugh. Kyle's face was flooding my newsfeed. It was a lot. It was a lot to handle. But DraftKings Sportsbook—they've got great promotions going on every day, from odds boosts to free bets. DraftKings Sportsbook has it all. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is safe and secure. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience, and it's no wonder that DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. To top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer to date right now. You won't want to miss it. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. That's one word, CROSSINGBROAD. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right! DraftKings Sportsbook is going to go all out. With a sign-up bonus of up to one thousand dollars. Don't forget, promo code Crossing Broad, and get your sign-up bonus of up to one thousand dollars. Only a DraftKings sportsbook. Big bet, Bob. How'd you do? How'd you how'd you do in the uh, the big game?
1: I had a uh, pretty good big game. I almost slipped after you went to all that trouble not to say it. Uh, had the had the Chiefs, which was nice. Um, Hit a couple props. It was good. It was a nice night. You know what I got wrong? I got the coin toss wrong. Six of the last seven years now, tails. I'm going to keep playing it. I'm going to keep playing it.
0: I played it and hit it. I got tails and the
1: Chiefs to win. Yeah. So that was was disappointing. Tonight, I like Florida State playing UNC. Uh, They are laying nine points. That lets you know a lot about where North Carolina's at right now. They've had a ton of injury issues, and they've been really an inconsistent and Super underwhelming team all year, so I'll lay the nine with Florida State tonight. I
0: liked it a few weeks ago. Whiny Roy Williams complaining about his team that they didn't have the high upside. Shut up, dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know? Um, Uh, Anyway, must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: The case is closed. Gritty has been cleared by Philadelphia police after assault investigation. Uh, do you feel, Russ, as though Gritty has been exonerated in this case?
0: Um, you know, I, I worry about the long-term ramifications of this kind of slander. We're not quite at the the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp level of things, <laughs> but uh, I would say that, <laughs> Do you think that this incident will neuter Gritty a little bit? Do you think this is going no. to calm him down? No, because or there's, is it just going to empower him? So there, there are at least three times that Anthony and I have gotten tipped off about somebody being uncomfortable with Gritty and and the physicality of the person inside the costume. So there was this one. There was one where a guy uh, DM'd me and said that Gritty took a legit swipe at a dude. That it wasn't a um like one of the the prepackaged kind of videos that they do where it, it's all a setup with a with an away fan. There was a complaint recently, uh, Gritty apparently took a hat off of a kid from an opposing team and threw it, I think, either onto the ice or like a few rows down, upset the kid. It was like a little kid. It wasn't like a... I mean, the like, Philly, the like, the you know, Philly fanatic would have done that in
2: 1992, and nobody would have said anything. Right. And
0: and the other one was, uh, a few weeks ago, there was a uh, a video thing. I think it was on 80s Night, and there was like a... Was it Footloose? I guess it's Footloose. Uh, they danced, and he was... Dancing with a woman, and, and he like smashed a cake in her face, and apparently she wasn't happy with the uh, the level of of power Force put the intensity into it. Yeah. Of the like cake. it was yeah. a lot more than expected. Yeah. So I, I think that the guy in the gritty costume probably should. Be, uh, a little bit more cautious do you i think it's going to happen aside. You, just,
2: you just pull gritty aside and tell him to maybe tone it down a little bit and let's try to protect ourselves here so that I, we don't get any more uh,
0: you like squeak a rubber chicken at him to communicate that's I think. how you communicate yeah.
2: with them well i just think it was funny because like obviously the public sentiment was totally against the guy who accused gritty of punching. because the, the story does sound kind of ridiculous when you think about it i mean they're at a photo op uh gritty's handler is there there are other people presumably there with a photo op too, and to say that Gritty would get a running start and punch a kid right in the back. Uh, first of all, like if I was a dad, I would have gotten like Gritty's face, or f- you know, some 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 people probably might have gotten physical with Gritty to defend their son. Yep. Uh, you know, Gritty's obviously there's other going to be flyers and Comcast people around there, and then like the fact that he put the photo up on his Facebook page after complaining about the incident. And the fact that he asked for like, uh, he wanted his son to get to meet a few players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not uh, why can't I think of the word? I keep, I keep wanting to say, uh, this sounds absolutely terrible. I keep wanting to say, uh, reparate, not reparations. He's looking for reckon. He's looking to, uh, like, reconciliation. Yes, but <laughs> so, but with through perks. Yeah, you know, he's looking for. He's uh, looking for his kickback. Yeah, well, he's trying to. He's trying to use it. He's trying to use that incident to get, you know, freed. Stuff. stuff out of it. I think this, which is why people were kind of skeptical and siding with Comcast and just
0: sort of dismissing whatever he had to say, you know. So. <laughs> Hashtag Comcast cares. Yeah. Um, the, I, reconciliatory,
2: I know. Th- you know, reconciliatory yeah. perks. Is I think what like, he
0: was the, for. the thing that I think people cross the line on because I'm in a lot of these Facebook groups for Flyer stuff where we're like promoting Snow the Golden Press show is like there were people who were mining this guy's Facebook page and they found pictures of his son like putting stuff up on shelves or something like that. And they're like, oh, a kid doesn't look too hurt here. And it's like, all right. If you're th- uh, if you're yeah, yeah, if you're 13, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're a middle school kid, right? We've all been middle school kids at some point. We know what middle school kids can be like from time to time. Is it possible that the kid was kind of feeding into it, like, yeah, you know, Dad, like it'd be cool if I got to meet like TK? Sure. But I think after a while, when you realize that that you're the one that everybody's kind of gunning at, uh, at some point, you're kind of like, Dad, it, it, like enough, enough's enough, knock it off, because it, it it's just. It was a bad look, and then the fact that they kept going to team events and everything—it it just made it look like it was right, fake. Because if
2: you're really, really mad, I mean, like, why why are you still doing this stuff? And then they cut to the you know, the NBC goes out to interview him at his house, and he's got an entire wall in his basement that's nothing but like flyers, jerseys, and stuff.
1: You know, I mean, it's
0: not it, like you're gonna burn that stuff down. Can but I like, just say that I don't
1: just, care about this story at all? No, but it, like it just—I hate this story. It does Dude. nothing for me. I don't have an opinion. I just want it to end and be if done. If it had with. been the Philly fanatic, how would you have felt? I just, I just if don't it had care. been the
0: uh, Philly frenetic, I don't care it's what Gritty sunny. does. I don't, <laughs> I don't care that's about
1: this kid. I don't care about this guy. Fun.
2: This story got like the most more comments than anything else on it's Facebook. Like, it's a talk, It's at least talk. Okay, we won't talk about that. How about we talk about? Uh, you want to talk about baseball, right? Let's talk about uh, Reggie McClain, big signing for oh, the God. Philadelphia Phillies. What do you What do you feel about
1: that one? Uh, he throws a lot of sinkers. Uh, that's nice. Listen, let's just – nobody cares, right? So let's just talk about the Phillies real quick. I do wonder if we are – want to talk about
2: the cheesesteak hat? The hat with the cheesesteak on the back? that is bad. There's big Phillies topics going on right now. Yeah,
1: all the hard-hitting topics. All right, you
2: you can have the floor for the Phillies.
1: Yeah, give me 30 seconds. I wonder if – because Russ Joy the other night chimed in on Twitter that uh, he was not real enthusiastic about the Phillies. I do wonder if we're doing this thing right now where we had this big offseason going into last year – and they were so underwhelming that now we kind of almost feel like we were burned and we can't be even remotely optimistic about what this team may look like this season. I think it's a joke that they have not gone over the the luxury tax. I think it's a bad look. I think that you had this ownership group take their victory lap after they signed Bryce Harper and to do what they are doing this season, though I understand it, I, I think it's lame. I think it's a weak move, to be honest with you. That being said, they they went out, they did improve their starting pitching. They do have reason to believe that they're going to get bounce-back years from certain players. They've gone out and signed a lot of low-cost, veteran-type of players that might be able to give them the production that they weren't getting from guys like Sean Rodriguez last year. So I look at this, and and you can say, and like obviously I was a Gabe Kapler guy. I supported him. I thought that he took the fall for a flawed team. But, like, is Joe Girardi an upgrade? Yeah, I think that, like, those both of those things can be true. So, I I know there's, like, no excitement or no buzz about the Phillies right now, but could they conceivably, as constructed, win 87, 88 games and then, at the deadline, add to put themselves in the postseason? Yeah, like, I do think that's realistic. The Phillies are not going to be a bad team this year. Like, they will be in playoff contention in September. So... Go ahead. I, I want the Phillies to be good. I'm not let, saying let me that you like let, don't. Me,
0: let, me, let me let me start with that. I've become more of a baseball hater in recent years because to me baseball is a game that um, really took this town by storm. Uh, and if you want to talk about like teams in our lifetime that missed out on a huge window and a great opportunity, sure. it it was it was the Phillies after 08. Um, I I look at this and there is nothing worse than having a summer where the Phillies are bad or the Phillies are like a maybe a borderline wild card team, but maybe not even quite good enough to be within like five games of the wild card because they're on all the time. This is part of the problem I think that baseball just has in general is I think there are too many games. Um, but nothing would make me happier than knowing that like, hey, this Phillies team is either going to be a uh, a bash seven runs, a lot of crooked innings, and we know that that's what they're going to be consistently, and they're going to have to overcome some bad pitching. Or this team's got two lights-out studs at the top of the rotation, two maybe, like, number three starter caliber guys, and then, like, you're using the fifth spot as maybe a developmental spot, or, like, you sign a low-cost guy with a high upside. Like, maybe, maybe like a Felix Hernandez kind of move. I'm not saying that right, he's going to be good, but, like, you try to tap into is there one last dance in that guy and i guess from from my perspective i look at it and i kind of compare what i think the phillies have done with like what the flyers did you went out and got a guy with real clout as a coach which is good for a few wins although in baseball it's not as meaningful as it is like in hockey where there's only 82 games um, and and i i think you have a hard time selling this team on the newness of it you're going to be going back like obviously Bryce Harper's a huge name People kind of grew to know uh, Real Muto a lot better, but like Reese Hoskins kind of falling off is a bad look for the organization because it's almost as if we developed him to get to this level, he was supposed to take that next step and didn't. And it's like Aaron Ola, a season ago was like really high highs and a lot of low lows. Yeah, no. And so it's like I, I hear you. It's weird. I like they're, they're they... in a they're in a weird spot where they haven't seemed to develop that next level player. They've had to go out and acquire him via a trade or via free agency. And so when you don't see them go and make that big splash, there's enough here to show that it doesn't feel like they're good right now at developing their own talent, so that's why people are kind of...
1: If you're the Phillies, I tentative. think you can talk yourselves into a path, though, where you win 90 games. I really do. I think that the the idea of Reese Hoskins giving you some type of reasonable bounce back. He is not the player that he was in the second half of last season. He is not that bad. And I think it starts there. Bryce Harper, if he gives you a full season of what he gave you in the second half, D.D. Gregorius can swing the bat a little bit. What do you get from Andrew McCutcheon? If you get what you got from him the first month or two of the season before he got hurt last year, you're talking about an offense that any given night, I mean, you know, or I don't want to say any given night, but can consistently string together five, six, seven runs in a game. So they can be that team. That being said, I understand if the Phillies fan base right now is uh not overly optimistic or not overly excited about what this team looks like. I get it, but I do think that they might be a little bit better than we're giving them credit for. Well,
2: I mean, from my perspective, it's kind of like an out looking at baseball from the outside. Um you know, you came in last year with such fanfare and a 330 million dollar guy in this crazy pursuit and it's like, "All right, we got him," you know, and everybody was going crazy for the Phillies back then and You know, the bar was up here. I'm raising my hand as high as I can. Like, the bar was up there. And, uh, you know, you talk a big game about stupid money and, you know, wanting to get your, you know, your bleeping trophy back. And, uh, I don't know, like, this year just – I mean, it doesn't seem like the moves that they've made past that are kind of congruent with the bar that they set. You know, it's like the the biggest signing that they've made this year, the biggest addition is the coach – or the manager, I'm sorry. So – and like, I, how do Wheeler, how do I how do I get as a casual how do I get excited about? It's that? like
0: Zach Wheeler's got a lot of really good upside if things go well, but it feels like for the Phillies there are just so many ifs. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying, no, like, there's like, a that, ton of ifs. That's why I'm yes. saying, like to me it's almost like it feels a lot like the Flyers to me because Anthony and I talked so much about like there being I don't know ten ifs, and if they all go right, then maybe you're beyond a wild card team, yeah. like maybe you are like the number six seed or something, and like maybe maybe enough of these things go well, but like think about it, Andrew McC- Andrew McCutchen was. Exceptional before he got hurt. Do we really expect him to get back to that level? Right, because if, if. if he he outperformed, I think what most people thought we would get from him. So okay, say he takes the the logical step back coming off of an injury. All right, that's one thing. What else have they
1: added? And, and I think this kind of comes back to like I think mean, you're going to get a better 20- Scott Kingery. I mean, I'm I don't we don't need to have this argument, but like yes, I, I understand what you're saying. I I think that. You're going to get a better Reese Hoskins. I think you're going to get a better Bryce Harper. I think you're going to get a better Scott Kingery. I I do. Um, What else you have over there?
2: Uh, Let me see. Uh, Philadelphia Inquirer, $54 for 54 weeks of uh, digital subscription. What I find fascinating, I think, is that um, this is like the third or fourth or maybe even like fifth or sixth time that we've seen, uh, you know, like an offering like this where they're trying to get uh, sign-ups. And so I feel like the more of these that I see – uh, it just kind of tells me that, like, uh, like it's, it's a desperate. struggle, or like they're not getting what they need. Yeah, so you know when you do the math, I mean to to make it actually into a talking point, like you know if you if you get like the athletic, for example, since the athletic is you know the, probably the main competition for newspapers and stole a bunch of their people. Like I pay seven ninety nine a month for the athletic. Most like it's like ten bucks a month or uh, sixty bucks for a yeah, year. But you Most forty
0: percent people... off just today only if you.
2: Well, I was just about to say that most people get in on the promotional deals. So, would you, you know, you $54 for 54 weeks of the di- of the Digital Inquirer is like takes you in the next year. So, like I don't I don't know what's what what's on the surface, what's more appeasing to you? Like super cheap for a bunch of hyper local sports or would you rather have the whole network that the Athletic is offering and pay more for it?
1: Probably the yeah, oh. I think the the athletic just because of the the heavy hitters that they have on the national level, yeah, you know, they can kind of yeah. give you the, the the trade buzz and and like industry just the, the depth of coverage makes it. They've a...
0: got by far the best coverage of soccer. They've got arguably the best coverage of hockey on the the national level. I know that those are two niche. This sports is not a slight at the about, uh,
1: the Inquirer's Phillies writers because I, I think they're they're good. I I like Matt Breen a lot, and uh, you know I. But the athletic does a good job with baseball. I, I will say that.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting how the two models are kind of how how they split out and how that how they look when you when you when you say, well, you can get cheaper, super local, or you can pay more and get all of the stuff with it. I don't know what the average Philadelphia consumer how much they would consume national in addition to local. But I just find it interesting that this is like the third or fourth or fifth time that they've offered something like this, which just kind of tells me that it's not
1: not going, well. going so well.
2: Yeah. Um, I have two Sixers things written down here, but we're kind of running out of time. I'll just say real quickly, uh, no to Robert Covington. Definitely not. There were some rumors, I guess, that, that maybe the Sixers were in the front of the line or something. I can't remember the verbiage that was used, but trade deadlines on Thursday. They play the Heat tonight. They play the Bucks then I still think you need a ball handler, somebody who can dribble and do something by putting the ball on the ground. Uh, Russ, do you have any quick thoughts on the Sixers?
0: Um, the only thing I worry about is uh, assets that you're going to part with. Like the, the OKC pick that's top 20 protected is a good asset to have. If you parlay that together with like Zagre Smith and maybe Mike Scott, you can actually bring in somebody who could be a difference maker. The question is, you know, if, if you're Sacramento, do you really want to part with Bogdanovich for for those assets? Is that enough for you? I don't, I'm not so sure that it is, and I'm pretty sure the Sixers can't trade one of their own first round picks until the 2022 draft. Yeah, so yibber, yibber. so that that's another issue that you've got. Um, I I want to see if they're going to go out and make a deal. Like to me, Mike Scott has been so god awful. He is such an absolute waste on both sides of the ball right now, and I don't mean to you know hit the Mike Scott hive. But, like, it's gotten really quiet over there. Um, at, at some point to me, like, I'm even looking at, do you go after, like, a Bielitsa who had verbally committed to this team and then backed out? In the thought that, like, even if he walks in the offseason, you've at least got Mike Scott's money off the books and you've picked up a legitimate three-point shooter that you can use into the postseason. Like yeah, at I mean, some, the problem some with point, something like that, I mean, is you're st- I mean, you're still stuck with Horford at, at that point.
2: At that power forward position, I mean, I, I just want them to, them to shut
0: Horford. Like to me, it seems like he's still not healthy, and at that point, just shut him down. Shut him down for, for like shut so, him down I mean, for the almost, next month if he needs it. I
2: can pull it up real quick, but I I, I want to say that he's almost shot as many three pointers this year as he did in all of last year. or It's getting close or something like that. Which but, again kind of comes I,
0: back to Brett's system and like is it is it a Brett issue? Is it the way that this team just doesn't fit? Should Al be coming off the bench? I think you can make a, a legitimate argument. That some of the small ball lineups that we saw with Joel beat out, maybe at some point you do have to pursue the idea of Al Horford being the backup center on this team and being a guy who runs a lot of those small ball lineups. I mean, with, you can't. T- I know,
2: I know. I mean, it sounds great, but you can't tell a 33 year old veteran who just signed for all that money. Hey, we're gonna put you on the bench now. And I mean, it just looks ridiculous after the contract they handed. I agree. I mean, you know, we're speaking pragmatically, but unfortunately, with the in a players' league like the NBA, it doesn't always work out. A, Exactly like that. All right, I'm going to give you my uh, Mount Rushmore uh, in honor of Andy Reid. I'm going to give you my Mount Rushmore of Andy Reid press conference quotes that he overused. All right, his crutch quotes. Yeah, Num- you got about a minute too. So. Number one is a timeless classic. I got to do a better job, or we got to do a better job. Number two, another classic. This will go where Abraham Lincoln is on Mount Rushmore. Is time's yours. Times yours, another classic. Those are two very easy ones. Number three, uh, at the beginning of every press conference, before they would play a team that week, Andy would say, We look forward to the challenge of playing whatever team. We look forward to the challenge of playing the Giants. He said this literally every week. It was ridiculous. He said it like 200 times, probably totally in his career. And finally, he mentioned uh, sweet and sour pork again last week. He has mentioned sweet and sour pork at least four times that I can remember that we went back and found. And-
0: Andy Reid postgame press conference one. That's a good football team. And Doug yeah. uses it all the time. And now, just missing nuts. the cut was uh, a... <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I love Andy. <clears throat> He's like broadcast. the witcher.
0: <clears throat> <laughs> Can't say the other one. Anyway, big thank you as always to uh, Kevin for the Mount Rushmore. And a big thank you to our oh. friends at DraftKings Sportsbook and at Odd Logic Brewing Company. We let off the show with that, but go check them out over on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Odd Logic Brewing Company. We got a lot going on this weekend and a bunch of new brews always hitting the drafts. We were out there this past weekend. Go check out uh, the episode of the Press Row show that we have up on Crossing Broad Facebook page over on YouTube and such. And we got into a lot of detail about the different kinds of beers and such that they've got going on over at Odd Logic Brewing Company. Big thank you to Ryan Lennox on the other side of the glass and our friend, our fallen friend, Anthony Sanfilippo, who we hope gets better, gets back from pneumonia. We'll be back next week here on Crossing Broadcast on 610 ESPN Philadelphia.